in the verses we're going to be covering today, as I mentioned, Joshua will be speaking to the officers of the people, just as Moses had done in the years that he led Israel in the wilderness. These officers would then pass the information down to the rest of the people. Now, this method of disseminating information from God to Joshua to his officers to, his, to the rest of the people tells us that it not only tells us that God is a God of order, but it also tells us three other things. There was a chain of command in which God is always on top. This chain of command was what enabled Moses to quickly communicate with the people through his officers. The other thing where uh, this shows us here is that in preparing Joshua to lead, God also led him to lead leaders. This was something that he personally learned by observing and learning under Moses. And what you'll notice, too, is that the trajectory is from God to the people, not from people to people, meaning the orders came directly from God, not from a group of people. This wasn't just a a staff meeting where everyone got together to throw out ideas to find out what is the best way to get into this promised land. It didn't come from people to people, it came directly from God. Now, there are times when leaders must consult with their officers. But here now, in this case here, this wasn't one of those times. And just as he did with Moses, God spoke to Joshua. He spoke to him, his clear clear will. There wasn't any ambiguity there. And the nation had to be ready to obey. Numbers 27 verse 8 tells us that Joshua was a man who has the spirit in him. And he obediently followed the leadership of the Lord. So when he got his orders, he already knew from experience not to ask God for a logical explanation on how They were going to cross the flooded Jordan River. See, Joshua was probably in his 40s when the congregation of Israel stood at the edge of the Red Sea without a ship or a boat or anything to carry them over to the other side. He was there. He witnessed the whole congregation walking through the Red Sea on dry ground. He saw the watery walls to his left and his right. He saw them stand still as he and everyone else made their way to the other side of the wilderness. Joshua therefore knew that God specializes in making the impossible possible. Now, as we go through this passage, I'll be sharing a little more details on some of these things and how it relates to you, how it relates to us as a church. 
But let me share with you what I believe this passage will show you as a believer. The, the main idea here, church, Christ, the Son of God, sends His Holy Spirit to remind us of His Word and our commitment to Him. But it's also through His Word and Spirit that we'll find rest as He enables us to walk in obedience to Him. Before I begin reading, let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us through His Word. Heavenly Father, uh, we are thankful that You've brought us here this morning, that You've... Um, You've given us breath. You've given us heartbeat. You've allowed us to look at the ones we love and appreciate all the wonderful blessings, all the, the wonderful things that you've given us. Lord, Pray that now as we read your word that it will speak powerfully, that it will go out there and, and do what it's intended to do. That's to change hearts and lives, change marriages, change relationships, Lord. We ask that you fill this room with your spirit so that we all can know and understand what you're trying to tell us. Lord Jesus, may we see you and hear you through the words we're about to read, Lord, so we have a better understanding of your grace and, and love and what you did for us on that, on that cross so many years ago. So again, speak to us as we now get into your word. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse 10. And the word of God says, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get provisions ready for yourselves. For within three days you will be crossing the Jordan, Jordan to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you to inherit. Joshua said to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, remember what Moses, the Lord's servant, commanded you when he said, the Lord your God will give you rest and he will give you this land. Your wives, dependents, and livestock may remain in the land Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan, but your best soldiers must cross over in the battle formation ahead of your brothers and help them until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he has given you. And they too possess the land that the Lord your God is giving them. You may then return to the land of your inheritance and take possession of what Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on the east side of the Jordan. As I mentioned last week, we covered how the Lord had spoken to Joshua in those verses, in the first nine verses. Now Joshua was to speak to his officers, which he did without delay. Now the officers here are more of 
are more uh, administrative officials than military leaders. Previously, God had appointed those leaders, those officers, to help Moses in his administrative duties. Numbers 11 and Deuteronomy 1 says that they were respected leaders in Israel, had the Spirit of the Lord on them, and had some judicial and or religious Levitical duties. Just as God commanded Joshua, he now in turn commanded the officials. And from there, we see that those officials were to pass on Joshua's commands to the people. Although Joshua's commands had a ring of certainty, and he had taken charge with confidence, the situation Joshua and the people faced, it wasn't easy. In fact, his situation closely paralleled a dilemma Moses and the Israelites encountered in Exodus chapter 14 at the Red Sea. In both cases, the obstacle occurred at the beginning of the leaders' ministries. Both were impossible to overcome by natural means. Both demanded implicit trust and absolute dependence on God's miracle working power. Now, as many of you know, our lives are often filled with obstacles, with very, not, not the same kind of obstacles, but they may feel that way. And these obstacles, they do often come when things are going so good, when things are going well. So often when our hopes are high, when things seem to be going our way, suddenly, boom, problems loom up out of nowhere and we seem to be looking at an impossible crossing. But as believers, as Christians, those of us that know the Lord personally and know who he is, what gives us hope and rest is knowing that all things are possible for God who works together, who works all things together for those who love him. Those obstacles are there. But we trust, we know and we trust that he will get us through those obstacles one way or another. So two matters demanded attention. The first one was the the provisions had to be gathered. Within three days, Joshua would be leading the Israelite congregation across the Jordan River into the land that the Lord had promised and keep in mind that he had already given them. And so God allocated three days for their preparation. What's interesting about this is that the period of three days is significant throughout scriptures, throughout the scriptures. In Genesis chapter 22, verses 3 and 4, it takes Abraham, Isaac, and the servants three days to reach Mount Moriah from Beersheba, where Abraham lived. 
In Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, Jonah was in a belly, was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. However, the most important three-day period is the sign of Jonah. The three days between the crucifixion and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in a similar way, these three days that are mentioned in verse 11 are a period of preparation. Joshua's second item of business was to remind the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh of Moses' word and the promise that they made. You see, at the time, those two and a half tribes had already received their inheritance east of the Jordan. But now they were committed to fight with their brothers and assist them in conquering the land west of the Jordan. Now, when this commitment was made, there was a, a stipulation. While these, the fighting men, the mighty men, the, the soldiers of these two and a half tribes fought alongside with the other nine and a half tribes, the wives, the children, and livestock of those men could remain on the east side of the Jordan until the nation of Israel had taken possession of the land, of the promised land. At no time did anybody know how long that would be. This meant that they could be away from their families for an indefinite period of time. These verses here can be applied to us as a church and also to individual believers. Graphic, uh, geographically, the eastern two and a half tribes and the western nine and a half tribes are divided by the Jordan River. However, they are united in purpose. The conquest of the land of the seven nations of Canaan in fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. That's what united them. That's what brought them together. We're to be a church here, ladies and gentlemen. We're to be the church of an undivided Christ and not reflect a Christ of a divided church. Let me repeat that. We are to be a church of an undivided Christ and not, and not reflect a Christ of a divided church says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We were all given one Spirit to drink. Also, in a sense, these two and a half tribes represent borderline believers those believers that have one foot in, one foot out. Now, they're Israelites for sure, but they don't want to live in a promised land proper. They want to live on its border. 
history will show that when the northern kingdom uh, is invaded by the Assyrians, those two and a half tribes were the first to be taken because they were geographically closer to Assyria than the tribes that were situated west of the Jordan. So you see, church, it's dangerous. It's dangerous to live on the border. Too many people are so close to getting into the promised land, yet so far away. Too many Christians are just content with just being there on the border and not fully entering into the promised land, not fully entering into that rest. It could be for various reasons. For the nation, for those two and a half tribes, they were content, they were happy, they were like, okay, this is far enough, we're, you know, we, we claim this land, you know, this is ours, and Moses, especially you know, God, he knew that there was much more that they could have had, but he gave them what they wanted. And as believers, there's so much more that the Lord wants to give us, so much more that the Lord wants to give each and every one of you. Ask yourselves, are you content just being there in the border? If you've been living there and been there for a long time, I ask you just to get up and just enter in. The Lord wants to do so much more with you and use you in so many more ways and, and bless you and show you and fulfill his promises. But you can't be scared. You can't fear. You just got to go and trust again that everything is in the Lord's hands. You got to be believers that... Christians that aren't content living so close to the enemy but are just fully have fully entered into the promised land into God's rest and our rest is in Jesus that's our promised land there now as I mentioned the rest of this passage, now his officers will encourage him and help him. And well, we'll see right now. So let's pick up in verse 16 and read the rest of chapter, chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse 16. They answered Joshua, everything you have commanded us, we will do. And everywhere you send us, we will go. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses and everything. Certainly the Lord, your God, will be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your order and does not obey your words and all that you command, and all that you, and uh, all that you commanded him will be put to death. Above all, be strong and courageous. The response of the two and a half tribes was enthusiastic. 
and it was wholehearted. It also reflected the attitude of all the tribes at this crucial time in preparation for the invasion. That must have been a great encouragement for this for the leader, for Joshua to know, to, to hear, to be sure that the people were united in supporting him. Let me share you some, some ways in which they encouraged them, in, in which the people encouraged Joshua. To begin with, they encouraged him by assuring him of their complete obedience. He said in Verse 16 and the first half of 17, command us and we will do, send us and we will go. These officers had no hidden agenda and they asked for no concessions. They would obey all, not some, not part, but all of his commands and go wherever he would send them. We could use that kind of commitment in the church today. Too many times we're like men described in Luke chapter 9, verses 57 and 62. Each of them, each of whom put something personal ahead of the Lord. It's more important things to do. There's, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Let me first take care of. Let me first make my wealth. Let me first raise my kids. I'll wait until, you know, I have lost everything or I get sick or I will go when it feels right, when it feels good. That's not the commitment the Lord wants from us. He wants us to go, to do when he, what he asks us to do and to go wherever he, sent, he asks us to go. Some of you have felt that tug and that pull to do something, to go somewhere, to, to be involved and to help out here in the church or maybe in whatever church that you're going to. But again, there's excuses. There's other things that you're putting ahead you know what? Again, the Lord just wants you to do it. And if he's called you to do it, he will enable you. He will strengthen you to do it. When you do it, when you do things out of your own strength, out of your own power, out of because you want to do it, yeah, it's eventually you're going to fail. You're going to get burnt out. You're going to get tired. When you do what the Lord has called you to do and you obediently follow, you follow that calling, he will give you that joy. He will give you the strength. You won't get burnt out. You won't grow weary and tired. Yeah, you know, it, it does get physically tired. But, I, and I, I'm only saying this because after I'm done here, I go home and I just want to crash out. You know, I just, I want to sleep and, and I usually rest and nap until I have to go to work Monday night. But physically it, it gets exhausted, but your heart 
your mind, your soul, it, it doesn't get tired of doing what God has called you to do. Secondly, the officers encouraged Joshua by praying for him. In verse 17, they said, Certainly the Lord your God will be with you as he was with Moses. The best thing that you can do for those who lead in the church is to pray for them daily and ask God to be with them. I don't ask a lot from you, from any of you. What I do ask is that you do. You pray for me, for encouragement, for strength, for wisdom, for discernment, to be able to make the right decisions for this church, to be able to love more, to encourage more, be able to make those decisions that, you know, those choices, those decisions that will help the church grow so that the community here in Northeast El Paso will see us and see, you know what, that's a church that loves Jesus. That's a church that is on fire for God. I ask that you pray that more leaders will come alongside of me to help me make decisions. Help me see things that maybe I can't see, to, again, lift up my arms when my arms grow weary. So, again, that's, my, that's all I ask as a leader. And I'm sure Pastor Isaac feels the same way. Many of you know about some of his health issues. Pray for him. Pray that God will just continue to to, to heal him, which he, uh, he has. He's done a great healing already in his life, but that he will continue to heal him and, and use him to encourage the men, encourage the youth. Dude, we need your prayers, definitely. I love those words. Certainly the Lord your God will be with you as he was with Moses. Joshua was a trained man with vast experience, but that was no guarantee of success. That your prayers again. There's no absolute guarantee of success. We need your prayers. No Christian worker succeeds to the glory of God apart from prayer. So here's the question, is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? When Joshua didn't pause to seek the mind of God, we see in later chapters, in chapters 7 and 9, that he failed miserably. And guess what? So will we. Thirdly, they encouraged Joshua by assuring him that their obedience was a matter of life or death. There in verse 18, they took his leadership 
and their responsibilities seriously. Later, and, and we, re, we see this in Acts chapter 7 and verse 15. See that Achan didn't take Joshua's order seriously. And because of that, he was killed. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus said this, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? If God's people today saw obedience to Christ as a matter of life or death, it would make a big difference in our ministry to a lost, lost world. If you knew, if you really knew how many millions and billions of people will be burning for eternity, suffering in eternity, in hell, again, for eternity, and you love people just as Jesus loved the world and was willing to and died for the world, you should have that same heart, that love. You should see that it is a matter of life and death. Whether it's, again, those people that you don't agree with politically, that you don't agree with morally, Socially, it is a matter of life or death. Share the love of Christ, the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus whenever you're given the opportunity. I'm not saying force it. And shove it down people's throats. I'm not talking about arguing. I'm not talking about having fights out in the street. No, I'm, sh I'm saying genuinely, sh genuinely show the love of Christ through your words and actions. Let the gospel be known with who you are. Let Jesus be seen in you and through you. Spirit overflow so that people may glorify God fully, so that they may glorify God and say, you know what, this person has definitely been changed by God. And many, there have been many, there were several examples in the New Testament where Jesus changed the lives of people and those people that were changed, they gave glory to God, but those people, the other people who saw, those that were changed, they knew. They knew that it was God who did the work. And let them see that in you. Let them see what God, use your testimony, you have a powerful and wonderful testimony. He wants to use that to change to lead, so that you can lead people to the cross so that he can change their lives. Do you call Jesus Lord? Is he your Lord? Do you call him Lord? And do what he says. Or again, the question that's asked, that Jesus asked, why do you call me Lord and not do the things which I say? 
It's a tough question. And it's a question that you have to answer honestly to yourself. What is your answer? Are you answer? Are you doing the things which he says, which he says? We obey the Lord's orders if we feel like it, if it's convenient, and if we can get something out of it. With soldiers like that, Joshua never would have conquered the promised land. And finally, they encouraged him by reminding him of the word of God. Moses told Joshua, and I'm reading this from the King James, King James Version, Be ye of good courage when he sent him and the other men into Canaan to spy out the land. Moses repeated the words when he installed Joshua as his, as his successor in Deuteronomy chapter 31. These words were written in the book of the law, and Joshua was commanded to read that book and meditate on it day and night. Friends, the key to continuous victory was Joshua and Israel's continuous obedience and faith in the word of God. God would work in Israel's behalf, and their leader would observe and their leader would observe and obey God's precepts from the book of the law of Moses. This was to be done by strictly following the law of Moses and stepping not to the right or to the left of it, to stick to it, to maintain it, not to deviate from it. This passage here serves as an example or pattern of how to depend on God and allow the Spirit of God to empower us to be victorious and living as believers in the Son of the one true God. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 and Psalm chapter 1 verse 2 make a proper connection regarding the permanent posture toward the word. You are to meditate on it day and night. The word meditate as it's used in the Old Testament means to murmur or to mutter and by implication, to talk to oneself. When we meditate on scriptures, we talk to ourselves about them, turning over in our minds the meanings, the implications, and the application to our lives. In other words, this meditation is inwardly processed, but spoken and heard outwardly. I've never been to the Western Wall, but I've seen videos, images of people there, those rabbis that are there praying at the Western Wall in Israel, and you can hear them. You can audibly hear them. They, they're verbalizing the scriptures. They're they're meditating on them. 
So Joshua was to, be, was to constantly repeat God's word to himself, his leaders, and the congregation. I'll tell you this. This is an area where I know I need continuous work on. If this is an area you're strong in either, you're asking the Lord just to help you to understand this, to meditate more. Honestly, I, I do. I have that. I have a little bit of a, a self-conscious thing about, you know, talking out loud. And, but see, here's the thing is that it really shouldn't matter because, again, we're, we're speaking the words of God. We're meditating. We're chewing on them. Just like the song we spoke earlier should be able to just proclaim them. And we have these words that our mouths that God has given us for a reason and purpose. Yes, it's to, to, to bless others and to, to love on others and to, to show them how much uh, we appreciate them, to encourage others, but he's also given us mouths to proclaim him, to adore him, to praise, you know, to, to, to glorify Jesus for what he's done. And so when we're reading his word, when we're reading God's word, the truth about life, truth about everything. Shouldn't be ashamed or shy just to be able to, to speak them out, out loud, whether it's at home, in our cars. But when you're, maybe you have time at work to, to read the Bible for a bit, it's okay just to kind of whisper them to yourself, read them out loud to yourself. Maybe find a spot under a tree or, well, find a, place right now that's air conditioned. I wouldn't recommend going outside where it's all hot, but um, find a spot where you can, you know, read them out loud. Speak them. Find the meanings, the implications, and the applications into your own life. Furthermore, we see God is a God of order. Out of the chaotic waters of creation, God brought clarity by separating the water from the land. Likewise, the Spirit of God provokes you as a believer to remember your commitment to Christ who will give you rest as you obey God's commands. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you just to obey, to lovingly obey. He will give you that rest that you need. Now, last week I mentioned to you that several times, actually four times in this chapter, you find the words, be strong and courageous, or be strong and of good courage. And chapter 1 ends that way. My friends, if we're to be strong, if we're to conquer the enemy and claim our, inherit, our inheritance in Christ, we must have spiritual strength and spiritual courage. 
as it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. My friends, the first step towards winning the battle and claiming our inheritance is to let God encourage us and then for us to encourage others. A discouraged army is never victorious. The Lord said this in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 21. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord your God, the, the Lord as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has told you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Fellow believer, my brothers and sisters in Christ, be strong. The battle is the Lord's. Go in there, take it, reclaim it, or claim it. It's yours. He's given it to you. Yes, there will be challenges. There will be obstacles. Always know that he is there and he has already given you the victory. When Jesus hung on the cross and died, on, died there, the victory was ours to take. He died so that we may be victorious. You just have to go there and rest in him. Surrender your heart to him. Let him win your battle. Let him fight your battles. Be strong, my friends. Be strong. Don't give up, especially during those times you feel discouraged, when all seems to be going against you. Seek him. Find comfort in him. Don't give up. Again, it's not your battle. It's the Lord's battle. So as we see here again, there's... God, I mean, yeah, Joshua, after receiving the word from God, he now gives it, passes it down to his officers, and his officers pass it down to the people. And he reminds those two and a half tribes the commitment that was made. Are you willing to make that commitment as well? Some of you that may be watching, you know, you've tired of living this life by your own strength. And you're ready now to just allow Jesus to lead you, to encourage you, to, to guide you. 
I want to lead you to the cross so that you may surrender your life, so that you may lay your sins there. He may forgive you and make you righteous, make you holy. And if that's what you'd like to do, I want to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So wherever you're at, whether you're on the side of a road or you're somewhere in some village or town across the, across the planet, somewhere just lonely in your bedroom with all your heart just close your eyes and bow your head and sincerely just pray this Lord Jesus I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness I believe that you died for my sins and three days later, you rose from the dead. And I turn from my sins, repent from them and confess you and you alone as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And I accept your forgiveness. So now, Jesus... Fill me. I ask you to fill me with Holy Spirit so that he may help guide me and teach me and instruct me in my new born-again life. In your name, amen. If you pray that, The Lord is now your Savior. He has saved you and he has released you, released those shackles that once held you down, those shackles of sin and death. He will fight your battles. And in the end, he will win. You will win. You just have to now just walk in loving obedience to him. Thank you for joining us this week. Next week, we'll again, we'll continue on in chapter 2 of Joshua. We hope you join us. Uh, this message, if you feel like it blessed you and it might bless others, please feel free to share it. Send it out there. Um, and uh, we look forward to, to being with you next week and seeing how the Lord wants it, it will bless you. Have a great week. Be a blessing to others. We love you. Goodbye. Thank you so much for visiting us here at Fresh Vision Calvary Chapel. We hope you were blessed by Pastor Angel's message. For more information about Fresh Vision Calvary Chapel, such as our service time or how to get connected, please visit our website at fvccelp.com. If the Lord is leading you to give to the ministry of Fresh Vision Calvary Chapel, there's a PayPal link in the video description below. Once again, thank you so much for visiting us here at Fresh Vision Calvary Chapel. We hope to see you again soon.